Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode, shit, I don't even know, like 120-something of Midweek Metagame. Uh, I'm your irregular co-host, Patrick Robertson, joined, as always, by Gabriel Nassif. Hey, Pat. Hey, everyone. Uh, no Harry this evening, or this afternoon, or whatever time of day it is right now. Uh, he's got his uh, master's thesis due, so it's very busy today. But so it's just Gab and I are going to go through modern challenges, uh, talk about what we've been doing in this new glorious post-Lurus world. And, you know, we're really just going to get stuck into a few, a few of the winning deck lists and what we've been up to. Uh, as, bef as always, before we get started, got a shill, cardmarket.eu or .com. Great place to go and spend money on trading card paraphernalia. They've been sponsors of the cast for a very long time, and we really do appreciate their support. So if you're looking to spend any money on Magic, which presumably you are, you should uh, go there and patronize their site. Um, also, if you feel like uh, patronizing other sites, you can go to patreon.com slash midweekmetagame and give small amounts of money to us in exchange for uh, variable uh, rewards. So, you know, mostly it's access to a Discord channel where I post brags about 5-0s in leagues. Uh, but yeah, if you want to get over there and support the cast in your own way, that would be awesome. But obviously there's no obligation to do so. Right, that's all, the, that's all that stuff out of the way. way. Gab, what have you been up to? Been playing much modern? Well, well, well. Right. I've been playing a little... I was playing... I've been playing a little modern. I played a few matches with Omnaf, including a challenge that didn't go very well. I played a couple leagues with Living End. I played some bad John decks. Some, some bad and some less bad John decks, but still kind of mediocre. Um, wow. So what, what, just I, out of curiosity, what inspired you to play a varying degrees of bad John decks? I just decided I want to play something different or fun or casual, bad, whatever you want to call it. And I think I thought that Gris plus company might be, might be sweet because I've been, you know, the Gris and the Yawmas decks is pretty good, but I found out that, uh, Without the Persist creatures, Gris is really underwhelming. Even with the Persist creatures, Gris can be a little underwhelming. I had a few Wall of Blossoms. That's my big plan to sack Wall of Blossoms to Gris. That's a that's a powerful company hit right there. I can just imagine the Gris. fear you strike in your uh, control opponent's heart when you end a turn company and just hit two walls. <laughs> yeah, I think I was playing Trackers, Forcer. I don't even remember. It was, it was not good. Then I played kind of Real Junt with good cards and run and six and blood braid elves and stuff and that was you know that was kind of okay so like proper boomer jones okay yeah um but yeah i i i played a bit uh this week but uh mostly we had some uh some some results thing we're gonna kind of take a look at both modern top eights we had Wafutapa, Guillaume Wafutapa, who had a sick weekend was a top four finish with blue eyed control on saturday into a win on sunday also, um, Daniel Lacos, who had two top eights, was Blue Red Merktide, and UPAD's been playing a ton of Merktide. So, we're gonna, you know, kind of break down Walfus list, try, try and see uh, what's going on there, and then you're gonna go pretty in depth uh, about Blue Red Merktide. And we're also gonna take a look at other lists, you know, specifically maybe the Living End list, since I, I played a bit of Living End. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's that's that sounds very sensible to me. Um, I definitely have been enjoying this post ban Lurus world of getting into the Merc Tide, but we'll 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 get we'll get down to that later. I think that you know if we want to start on the Saturday deck lists, I think the you know URL winning deck lists with what feels like a blast from the past at this point. Um, Sixty card 
elementals and not just kind of not four color money pile for 60 cards this is like elementals elementals so like four flame king harbinger four omnath risen reefs solitudes and then a little bit of a toolbox you know fury foundation breaker endurance unsettled mariner subtlety yeah along with four ephemerates so this is really almost looks exactly like the the original four color uh post-modern horizons to elemental lists and no urion as well which is a kind of major a major major talking point as well and said choosing for opting for kahira the orphan god what do you you kind of you're on board with this. I know you've been playing a lot of four color uh, money pile historically, but you know, this is definitely a deviation away from that. Yeah, I like it. I like that it's straightforward and focused. You've got, you know, your your plan. You're fairly proactive. You've got prismatic ending as a reactive card, but it's so versatile. You know, can you even call it you know that that much of a reactive card? Same for Teferi Time Rattler. It's the, the the most proactive of the reactive cards in some ways, if you even want to consider any reactive cards. And they decided not to stress the mana base too much, not playing a red and six. The the only red cards pretty much are elementals and you have four cavern of souls to help you cast them. So they're mostly playing blue white cards and uh, you know it was uh, was a few green cards and just 60 cards drawing more omnath. We'll probably talk a bit more about it later, but I've been playing, I played a league of Omnath with Ella Demery's Call, because a lot of people have been playing that card and I wanted to try it out. And I found out that, uh, you know, outside of the, the toolbox effects, really what it does is give you more copies of Omnath Locus of Creation, which you're going to draw more of when you're playing 60 cards. So I could see why that deck would, would be good. You know, you have, you have, you have a, super strong proactive plan and you've got a little uh, uh answers to a few things was you know your one copy of subtlety endurance ephemera to to keep it going and whatnot i definitely on board with your your point about uh, maximizing the chances of you drawing on that i think you know, after we I, we're all said and done when you look through these kind of 80 card money pile decks the card the card tying the room together is on that you know your best draws are the draws where you you're Turn five on that fetch land play a powerful five drop, and this deck is really just doing its best it can to maximize that between you know sixty cards, so increasing the kind of the omnath density in your deck plus four flame flamekin harbingers. It's like hard to imagine very many games where you don't have access to omnath when you hit four and five mana pretty regularly, having allowing you for those kind of busted turns that make up for essentially for you not doing anything in the in, in the early game. Yeah. Also, Utopia Scroll gives you the extra speed. It's a card that. It's usually not played in the 80 card Urian's deck and it's a card that's been really strong in modern kind of pushing the a lot of the, the the green decks um you know over the edge or however you want to say it whether it was company deck yeah. back in the day uh the Heliod ballista combo or the red green you know red green bloodman piles uh, ponza decks and... Yeah, the synergy Utopia's brought Arbor Elf is kind of this you know, old modern tech at this point in time, but it definitely fallen out of favor because people were playing, you know, having to find space for cards like Abundant Growth to fix the matter and synergize with Yorion. But when you don't have to do that, you can just lean straight on the Birds of Paradise style acceleration. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that looks, looks good. You know, pretty clean list and not super surprised I haven't played with a deck, so I, I don't yeah. really know 
um, how, how good it feels when you're playing in, you know, if your hands are not too awkward, but. Yeah, I think this deck has some pretty, pretty, pretty strong positioning in, in the format at the moment between lots of, lots of reasonable answers to a card like Merktide Regent. Uh, so four, four Solitude and the Fort Fairy Time Raveler. The four Cabinet of Souls really making life hard for these counterspell decks as well. And then just the Risen Reef package is just so good at grinding against decks that just want to kind of tap out and play to the board and try and snowball. It's like the most snowball-y of the snowball uh, four-color decks when it gets going. Yeah, I could see it be good, you know, against all the creature and mid-range decks. And then if you look at the sideboard, it's mostly focused against maybe some of the unfair stuff. You've got two Dalvin's Veto and four Force of Negation. You've got Damping Sphere, Fulminator Mage. Uh, Force of Vigor, yeah. Endurance Salty, so all, all cards that might help you against the odd combo deck or give you a little more game maybe against Titan. Everyone kind of, you know, not trying to just play a creature base game. Yeah, definitely lots of cards here that look like the Green Tron as well, which is a deck that I've played against a lot more in the leagues over the last couple of weeks than I had in the entire time that um, Lurus was legal, really, yeah. or since Modern Horizons 2 even came out. Yeah, yeah but back to the four full Force in the game. Full four force of negations. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I really like this list. I haven't played against it yet, but I played against its predecessor essentially in the earlier format. And it's a tough matchup for a deck like Blue Red, which is, you know, what I've been playing a lot of. But overall, I just think it's kind of good, coherent strategy, powerful. Ephemerate's a really powerful magic card, and I don't think that gets said enough. And uh, yeah, I'm just, you know, congratulations to URL for taking it down yeah. on, on day one. I think second place is, uh, is the Crashing Footfalls deck. So uh, this is kind of like a bread and butter modern deck at this point in time. Uh, you know, Shardless Agents, uh, Violent Outburst, and the Crashing Footfalls. It's a good fashion, good, you know, honest tempo deck in a lot of respects. I've, I've never been impressed when I've played with the deck. It's, uh, it's, it's always a challenging out. Like, you have to kind of play well to beat it. But I, I have no experience playing with this deck, but it's a, a staple at this point and probably only gets better with no Loris in the format. Yeah, it's a good deck. I feel like it's um, I feel like it's the most fifty-fifty deck in, in in modern in some ways. Just doesn't have really terrible matchups. Doesn't really have great matchups. Yeah, it just plays so many good cards, but it never it doesn't do anything completely busted outside of occasionally having these kind of, you know, just these turn turn three two eight two four fours and ride the disruption packages to victory. Yeah. It yeah. does feel a little unfair if they're on the play and they ice your land onto into couple couple footfalls. You know they they've got these living and esque draws where they're just gonna ice your land, couple footfalls was back up. You know whatever they need. You know a force, a bounce, a couple of removal spells. Yeah, it's like not obviously not as powerful of a cascade strategy as a deck like Living End, but it gets to play many more real cards in it as well. Yeah. Like obviously Brazen Borrows, Bone Crusher Giants. Because well, you don't have to fill your deck full of cyclers, and it's obviously less disrupt, less vulnerable to hate cards post board. I, I particularly like the the three dead gone in the main deck here, which is a kind of hat tip to the popularity of Merktide or a concession to Merktide. Yeah, yeah, dead gone is a card that is not always stuck. I think in this list, but it's it's been popular lately. I know it's also been popular in some living end lists. So I was never super impressed by it in living end. I felt like. You're trying to get kind of lucky, have it exactly when they have the turn on Ragavan, and then even dead, you know, you're down a cycling card and whatnot. And 
think the difference between its role in this deck versus its role in Living End is that Living End implicitly deals with creatures in play when it resolves its combo card. So it's really just about trying to just resolve Living End. Whereas here you kind of, if your opponent has a Merktide in play, that doesn't matter how many crashing footfalls you resolve, really. So you you do need to actually answer and interact with with your what your opponent's doing in this deck more yeah. more than you would in a deck like Living End, where you can just kind of make up for lost time with the with the Living Death effect. But I, yeah, I, I'm not sure we can we really need to dwell on this deck too much. Uh, sideboards, uh, pretty clean. Fifteen, uh, three four obs and three blood moons. Uh, you know, mystical disputes, force of vigors, endurances, and blood moons. Yeah. Not really targeting anything in particular, just making sure they've got a lot of good cards uh, to bring in in particular matchups. Yeah, obviously. But I think we should really spend a bit of time on uh, third and fourth place, which are two very similar blue-white decks from Hey Pharaoh in third place and Watto, aka Guillaume Wafatapa, in fourth place. So, Gab, why don't you break break it down a little bit for us? Yeah, I think it was Waffle who brought Snapcaster back to the menu as far as blue-white control goes. I could be wrong, but... Uh, he, he was the he, first person I saw playing it uh, real, relatively recently again in blue-white. Yeah, I think he, he already top-hated a challenge last week. And I, I tried the, the deck a couple, couple leagues. My results weren't stellar, but I did feel like the list was good and felt good, you know, the, the, the way it was flowing. Even though I, you know, maybe made a few mistakes, lost some close matches. I thought Snapcaster made a ton of sense. I thought the synergy was March of the Other Whirly Light was nice, just instant speed removal. And kind of a bit what I predicted might happen when March got spoiled is that you would just, you know, trim on ending solitudes and whatnot, and then play a few marches and just have a mix of everything to have more answers to Urza Saga, more instant speed answers, but still. Still keep the the powerful versatile solitude and ending. Um, the the wandering emperor has been a, a decent add as well, and notably missing from um, uh, Waffle's list and uh, and Hey Fair's list actually is spreading seas. That's kind of the card that that had to go. You know, you make up for it. Was March of the Otherworldly Light to deal with Urza Saga, even though obviously, you know. If you're going to choose on turn two, you'd rather have a spreading seeds to deal with it, but something's got to go. So if you look at Waffle's list, he has free march as well as the one Dressdown that can help you against the card Urza Saga. Even though Urza Saga has not been, I feel like, a less popular maybe, but yeah. Maybe in your experience, I played against a lot of Urza Saga over the last couple of days in leagues, but uh, I, I definitely I, I agree with you. Your, your premise over, I haven't seen a huge amount of it historically. It hasn't been doing well in kind of challenge results lately, outside of maybe uh, Hamilton. But yeah, I, I think that you can't really have Snapcaster and Spreading Seas and all these spells in your 60 card deck. It doesn't really work that way. And when you start playing more and more instants and kind of di diversifying the, the number of instants you're playing, and you get you, you wind up really wanting to lean on Snapcaster. And I think that ob obviously Spreading Seas is better against better against Saga straight up, but when you add in the versatility of its synergy with Snapcaster Mage, I think that it's definitely, it's well, well certainly res results, are, the scoreboard is saying that it's it's a, it's a pretty good way to go. I've been pretty impressed with March of Otherworldly Light, actually. When I was watching Waffo's stream, he was exiling White Guards to it quite often, and that was not something I really expected to be happening too much when I sort of read, read the card for the first time and maybe played a little bit with it in Pioneer and on Magic Arena. So... 
yeah, that's definitely an underrated kind of like just adding trading cards to add mana kind of um, side of it is is pretty powerful. Just having that, that those double spell turns with March of Otherworldly Lights is a pretty surprisingly powerful, I find. Yeah. And I was saying Saga is not super present, but I guess, you know, you still have a Hammer Time. Titan is also pretty, pretty popular. And I, I did yeah. see Waffle hit a bunch of Urza Saga was March. You, the, the nice upside compared to Ending 2 is that um, you can actually get rid of a Murktide. It's not, you know, it does happen. Your games go long and their Murktide don't always come down right away. So Yeah, that's right. You can, you can spend eight mana and kill a Murktide if you really want. Mm-mm-mm. I didn't realize he actually did that. I didn't. I didn't see it. See it. See that happen. But you definitely can do that. I was gonna. I was gonna say like Wandering Emperor versus Jason Mindscope. That seems to be. Uh, both both of these players, both Hayfarer and Waffetapa, are leaning in favor of Wandering Emperor. I haven't actually cast that card yet. Have you had good experiences with it when you played it? I have, but mostly on Arena. I haven't played a ton of it in Modern. I did play the, the one copy when I played was Waffa's list and it seemed fine. I think it's 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 good but nothing too crazy. I think Waffo played one and then apparently he said he wanted a second copy, but this weekend he just stuck to the one. So you know I don't think it's anything special. Just just a fine card adds, you know, another another bit of versatility and more instant speed spells. Yeah, no chase, no cryptic command, cryptic command Got the boot basically for Memory Deluge, which has been uh, popular in this deck, which I've been playing in four color Omnath as well. Yeah, I I can't remember the last time I saw a Cryptic Command, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. It feels like it's uh, it's been outmoded. I think that the kind of versatility of Archmage's charms kind of dominated that color intensive spot. And then once you start looking in the four mana plus realm, this cards are just so powerful for four mana at the moment. Although it is surprising to me that like Memory Deluge is the card that people have opted for. When I read that card on the spoiler for the first time, I was like, yeah, that card's good, but I didn't quite anticipate it would be so like, ubiquitously adopted. Like I didn't I didn't expect it to see so much play in modern. I thought it would be this kind of card that, you know, similar to fact of fiction where like occasionally some deck decides to put a copy in it because, you know, why not? I've got space and I need a card advantage spell. But but here it just seems to be kind of you know, you're playing for at least two copies in your your 80 card Yorion deck it's like it's replaced cryptic command in in these blue white lists i've basically seen it in so many spots that i didn't expect it to it's a really really powerful really powerful card but doesn't read that powerful it doesn't read that much better than say like glimmer of genius on its face yeah the thing is that the flashbacks just very real it happens all the time and the, the front part is already just almost as good if not better than factor fiction so the you know it, it makes makes your end games really really trivial once you flash that card back you're not gonna lose very often. Yeah, I, I guess having having your kind of like transition into the late game and your late game all wrapped up in one neat card neat neat package is 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 worth worth a non-zero amount as well in all this. I guess I didn't really read it as uh, you know not that much worse in fact of fiction on its surface. Yeah. I guess I, I see Foff as a kind of hallmark of kind of four mana draw, draw spells, but it's really not anymore. And Memory Deluge offering that kind of agency and selection was, uh, yeah, it pushes it over the top. Yeah. Could maybe take a quick look at the sideboard. Nothing too, too crazy. Second copy of Dressdown, more Verdicts, 
some vetoes and dispute. He he's been playing Bale of Summer of the one breeding pool for a while now, and he actually cut it on Sunday. That was the only change between the Saturday and the Sunday list. Minus two Bale of Summer plus a second dispute in the sideboard plus a second dismissal in the sideboard. And some, yeah, some of the few matches I watched, dismissal was pretty MVP. You know, got um the the thirteen mana Emrakul. It's you know obviously people ask about that card a lot, and there's actually a command on his stream about it. And that the most common use or the most important use or relevant use in the format is to be able to exile a Titan cast uh, via Cavern of Souls. That's the big yeah, that's one. A really, that's a really really big one. And then you've got obviously against Green Tron against Ulamog, even though if you're far ahead enough, sometimes you can just counter the Ulamog and be okay. Uh, you know, dismissals, nice little quality of life improvement. That was always my favorite thing, playing blue white against Green Tron, where you would get to the, get to the game to this point where they would resolve Ulamog and you'd just be like, I don't care. Yeah. Just like you exile two of my lands and I path to exile it <laughs> yeah. or whatever. It just doesn't matter at all. Yeah, he he's still sticking to the to the mail, the the anti mail tag, the Emrakul. That's uh, you know, I don't feel like there's. It, it's tough to know, right? If there's enough mail to justify the Emrakul, because when it's good, it's so good. Yeah, I, I think I think there's also a command for this on his in his uh, Twitch stream chat as well. But yeah, the the argument being that it's even if you only play against mill like less than you know one fifteenth of the time or whatever and it's not really worth having the sideboard slot that you could be spent elsewhere. At the same time you get so much out of it when you do get, when you do bring it in that because you never need to draw it. It's just yeah the fact that it's in your deck is is just, just KOs your opponent. Yeah it's yeah. We, we've talked about it a lot throughout the years. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. it's the most impactful card you can have in any given matchup. Yeah and, I, I really like it for that exactly that reason. And um yeah a couple of relics of Progenitus. Uh, doesn't want to play Rest in Peace because of Snapcaster, Mage, and Deluge. The, the graveyard decks are, are, you know, you have Living End, you have Dredge making a comeback. As long as it's, you know, mostly Living End decks or these kind of decks, I think Relic is is okay. I like the card against Renin 6 too. I don't know if he always brings it in against Renin 6 decks, but I feel, you know, I feel pretty dumb sometimes. I'm like, oh, my hand's awesome. Turn to Renin 6 and then they just play a Relic and all of a sudden my hand's like, oh... Not, not that exciting yeah. anymore. Yeah. I, so I, I have like one relic in the sideboard of my um my blue red Merc, and I do bring it in against Red and Six matchups, just explicitly for 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 that for that purpose. I really like the card. It's a for for a very long time actually. Even going back to kind of like 2015, kind of split of twin days in like blue red mirrors. I would love I loved having relic of Regenerus in my sideboard for fair matchups. You know, just eating the graveyard against um against Snapcaster decks, just gradually chipping your way out at reducing their options, all that sort of stuff. It's just really quite good value for a card that cycles. Yeah, satisfying feeling. I mean, I remember Phyrexian Furnace was one of my favorite cards back in the day. I yeah. just like, I love the utility, the cheapness of the card, and yeah, we had um, trips and stuff. We had that, um, the Recurring Nightmare Survival of the Fittest World Championship deck in that kind of group of friends when I was in primary school. And that had some that had like two or three Phyrexian furnaces in the sideboard that weren't applicable in any matchup. You know, so we had we had like a set of the world championship decks and the, the matchups were like uh you know, like ball lightning red and um you know, white weenie and then this recurring nightmare survival deck on Beulah Blue as well. And like 
the Phyrexian Furnace was like not good in any matchups, but like I brought it in every now and then because it was just kind of fun to activate it. I just really enjoyed activating it. And I also like looking at the artwork on it when I was like 11. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool magic card and like subtly powerful effect. Yeah. Yeah. But so you know, they're kind of they're moving away from summer, uh, Veil of Summer on day two. I'm not sure what it really says to, says to you, but says to me on the surface at least that he's not expecting quite so many thoughts to these decks and he's really just using it as a kind of if he's if he's sitting there using it as a counter spell to counter counter spells then his deck's not really proactive enough to um to warrant playing a card like that where you'd really rather a more reactive style counter spell like so that's why he's like decided to exchange it for a mystical dispute as a you know to kind of keep the same number of cards in and out in, in, in counter spell matchups is there, is there any other you know Reasons why you might want to move away from Veil of Summer. Maybe he was running into Teferi Time Raveler too often. Maybe he just thought Veil of Summer was so awkward. It's really hard to know and rate properly Veil of Summer. For all the time, it's great. You've got many times where it's just, you know, um, sitting in your hand and your opponent can play around it and it's, you know, you know, they can tell sometimes you, you probably have it. So it, it makes sense to me. I've always been lukewarm about the cards. Uh, you know, I usually have one or two copies in my Omnef sideboard, but I think the fact that in this deck you need breeding pool, your one breeding pool specifically, is probably, you know, the, the maybe the, 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 the thing that tips it uh, over yeah. the edge and that makes it not, not as appealing. Yeah, you definitely have to. It's you have to go out of your way to have it in to have it in your sideboard in this deck. Whereas maybe in four color, it's a little bit more natural. But I'm I'm with you. It's the sort of card where I think when it first came out, I was really like annoyed by it. Like it was a really frustrating card to play against. But as time's gone on, either the formats have kind of evolved and updated. I think that like you know, obviously some more power has been added to the format, so the, the things are distributed in a different way. But at the same time, I find it easier to play around now than it, than I did when it first came out. When I was not really sure how I was supposed to go about processing this, yeah, you know, this card's presence in the format. So apparently, the perks of recording live on Twitch is that um, someone telling us in chat that Waffle talked about only having one breeding pool was a problem and stuff like Blood Moon, Spreading Seas, and Field in matchups where you would bring it in and. You would end up, you know, losing your your only source of green, and you know, kind of to the point of the, the one breeding pool making a little awkward, having to fetch, etc. And on top of that, just straight up losing your one source of green. So yeah, and basically, if I actually look at, sorry, yeah, go, yeah, finish. I was just gonna say, basically, not not worth the hassle, you know. Yeah, actually, if I look at Hey Pharaoh's list, he has he one of the big differences between his and um and Wafo's list is that he has. Hefera has three fielder for him in his in his, in his mana base, whereas Water has none. So Hefera really, really, really prepared for playing against Tron, but at the same time also, yeah, giving that little natural advantage against against the weird green splash. Yeah. From Waffer. I don't know about preparing against Tron. I wonder if I would rather not have, you know, the, the two summaries dismissal in my 75 than a bunch of field of rune. I've I've lost many games with double field of rune draw against against tron i felt like the the way it was the most effective was when you could field of rune into chase the mind sculpture just by yourself the one time slam a jace you know no nothing can go wrong and then uh 
you know, kind of same deal with spreading seeds. When you have the, when you had these kind of cards to um, to play into, I mean, Teferi, Hero of Dominaria, to some extent can be that, but it's one more mana to get there, and because they're they're really good at at reassembling Tron over and over again. That's true. They are. It's also a bit awkward in the deck with like four counter spell, four archmage jar as well to have three. Yeah. You know, at least temporary, temporary colorless lands in in the mana base. Yeah, I can see it not being something you choose to do. And clearly, Waffo thinks it's better to have two summary dismissals than he does to have any field ever in his mana base. Yeah. Um... I think you can get the kind of utility. You get a little bit of the utility the field of ruin provides from, um, you know, having it. Maybe it's not quite the exact same thing, but you have some utility in your lands now from cards like Ottawa and Soaring City and stuff like that. They're not explicitly doing the same thing, but at the same time, you have lands that tap the blue and do something, so you don't really need to have Field of Rune. I felt before, a lot of the reason you played Field of Rune is because just having lands that did something was really good. Yeah. It does look so greedy to me, though. You've got two basic planes, three Field of Rune, only one Mystic Gate. You're playing one more land than Wildfoys, but you're still trying to cast these Archmage Charm of so many... So many you know, non non blue sources. Um, Double planes, one mystic gate makes no sense to me. Yeah. Also, also mystic gate's been so good. Yeah. Also, you're you're playing field of runes without path to exile. Not that path to exile is especially good right now, but that was kind of you know one of the nice things about really taxing their basics. So yeah, that's right. Where you when when people were playing like two or three basics, you could really just kind of like field the rune, field the rune, path to exile, and suddenly they get no bonus, and you just have straight up swords of plowshares in your deck and stone and wasteland. Yeah, that's pretty powerful. And, you know, something that's not really going on. So I actually kind of was going to ask about that. So obviously we haven't seen Path to Exile for a real long time. But at the same time, uh, Merktide Region's like a pretty big force in the metagame right now. Is, it, is, it, is are, we fine, are we at the point where you might start thinking about playing a copy of Path or two? It's just so awkward against Ragavan and Dragon Rage Chandler, right? Yeah, just having to... Having a removal spell in your deck that you want to fire off, but it's so miserable to fire off yeah. against a on turn one is just not okay. And, and, and I, I guess I guess you make up for it with subtlety as well. Yeah, and I think the 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 modern decks right now have just just enough basics that you can't really get them. I'm looking at Merktide list; it's usually sell free basics, so you're you're not gonna run them out really fast. You know, maybe Grixis Shadow would be the exception. I'm assuming they don't play really more than one or two. It was two before Lurus. It was he played a mountain and a small before Lurus. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's 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 not. It's kind of a shame if you're not going to get the kind of freebies in a few of the matchups. I suppose so. It's just it spent so long as such a powerful card. I didn't really think it would be like knocked off its throne in, in modern. If you know what I mean, it didn't yeah. strike me as the sort of card that would ever really get usurped. Unless they straight up printed Swords of Plashers. <laughs> but I guess it did. They just printed Prismatic Ending. Yeah. Um, should we go down the list and mm. take a quick look? Fifth place, Mystican, which I think has been playing a lot of that Titan deck lately. I think they, they beat me not too long ago in a challenge. Um, it's notable is Still No Karn, just kind of super straightforward, super rampy version with 32 lands. The second copy of the Zuza, which is not always stocked, the second copy of Colossus. I've been pretty impressed by that card, even though the last time someone cast it against me, it was kind of a bust. It just 
I think they only had one land or maybe even zero lands or something. Um, yeah, I've not actually played against Titan in a while. Um, I know it's been pretty. I know it's pretty popular, but and it's been doing well. But yeah. I haven't actually physically played against it. I haven't had anyone try and resolve Call of Duty Colossus against me lately. Yeah, and in sixth place, Ud uh, Danielakos. We we said already he topated both challenges this weekend. So congrats to them. Impressive, and maybe I'll let you just break it down for us. You've been playing a ton of Merktides, and you know, let us know what you think about their list and. Just yeah. All right. So obviously, nice. yeah. Back on. Back on my uh, on my good thing again. Uh, they've 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 legalized uh, seven card hands again. So Merktide's Merktide region blue red is 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 back on back on back on the table. So I've been playing a bunch of that, and there's nothing surprising about you know either my list or O'Daniel Lacos's list. Uh, you know everything is you know, pretty much set in stone. You know four of all the important creatures, four expressive iterations, four counter spells, considers uh, unholy heats, mistress baubles, etc. Uh, people are back to play four lightning bolts, uh, or at least O'Daniel Lacos and I are. I think that's a card that had been kind of in the three or even two regime when uh, Lurus was legal, but it's. I'm not. I'm not surprised to see four four back on the menu. I think that the versatility of that card is just too too important. There's so many games that are ended by the fact that you just chain two two lightning bolts together in games where you just you know, deal chip damage with Lurus, maybe get a couple of hits in with uh, Dragon Ranger's Channeler, and just end the game with a lightning bolt. I think that's really important. Uh, so just looking at O'Daniel Arcos's list, I think both lists for the Saturday and the Sunday are the same. Uh, or at least within within a card of one another, but um, they're opting for a Brazen Borrower, a single copy of Serum Visions, and two Blood Moon in the main. No copies of Archmage's Charm, which is a, a notable. I've seen uh, in at least last week's results, four Archmage's Charm was the kind of default number in the decks that did well. Uh, that's a card that I haven't... I've never loved having very many copies of. At the moment, I have two copies in my deck just because I wanted a little bit of, you know, power to kind of grind if people were still going to be playing death death shadow deck so trying to trying to just cast lots of discard spells having some divinations is good and the extra counter magic doesn't go astray but i find loading up on four archmage's charm really it's clunky i bought it out a lot even in matchups where i think that you would think that it's going to be good it has such horrible synergy post board with um with blood moon and blood moon is such an important card in so many matchups that I wind up just cutting it, even if it looks like it's a favorable card to have in my deck on paper, just because it doesn't line up properly post board. So having you know four copies in the main, maybe it makes you good in game one, but I I, I just opt to kind of have two, and oh Daniel Arcos opt to have none. Uh, their their powerful powerful card at three mana is uh, Blood Moon, obviously, which is the card I have on my sideboard. Um, apart from that, like a single Fiery Islet, uh, no Ottawara in either their list or mine. And you know, two spell pierce. It's just it's a basic real stock list. No surprises. Um, one thing I've been experimenting a lot with is uh, playing some copy of Fury. And this is something I hadn't really started, been trying. I know it was like in favor a little bit uh, prior to the Lurus ban, but I'd never, I'd never given myself a chance to play them. You're playing one in the main, one in the side uh, currently, and really quite impressed with the card. Just that. I've hardcast it a little bit, but most, more often than not, it's it's about clearing the board against uh, decks like, say, Hammer Time, or I've been playing against actually a lot of Urza Saga decks. I know Urza Saga, uh, Urza Lord, Lord High Artificer decks, so like uh, blue, blue White Thoughtcast decks. And having a card that lets you like clear, clear up the mess, but also keep Counterspell up is really quite important. You'll take the two for one every time there, I think. 
even if you're you know you maybe you're getting more more than more than one card in exchange on the back end when you're you know, killing the creatures it's also good at clearing out a teferi that might have like you know bounced your murktide region or whatnot so yeah card i've been really impressed with is fury i've been trying a few different things as well so um, i have um I've been trying for like Her- Hercules Recall. Like I said, I've been playing against a lot of these Urza decks, and I've, I'd seen people playing Hercules Recall previously as a kind of an answer to, uh, to Hammer Time, and I was like, maybe I can try a couple of copies of this, but every time I drew it against these Divination decks, I, or Divination Urza decks, I was just like, this is awful. Like, all I'm doing is resetting their Springleaf drums and Ornithopters. Maybe I'm killing a Construct. It like buys me time, but it's not... It's not really doing doing enough for me, and honestly, giving them ba- access back to their Moonsnare prototypes is just really bad news. You know, yeah. they can suddenly they have all this mana and they can just channel it and bounce your Moonsnare region. It's just disaster, <laughs> absolute disaster. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Go. One card we we didn't talk about um, Waffles list was the one copy of Sony Silence in the main deck, which for a long time was kind of awkward and a little underwhelming. Sometimes you also had explosives in matchups where you wanted it and it was not that great i i remember trying it a bunch here and there and it was never super impressed but it feels like there's maybe just enough artifact decks right now that you want it it's decent against green tron we've seen hardened scales pop up you've got these urges decks Dalthor foundry maybe a few others is have you yeah. ever considered just shatterstorm as... I, considered, I haven't considered explicitly shatterstorm no i haven't um i yeah i played with upgrades and, and whatnot but i was I was actually I, I, I'm with you. I when when we were looking at Waffle's deck, I kind of made a mental note to to talk about Stony Silence, but didn't mention it. Yeah, obviously really good now that there's you know more than just Dark Steel Citadel's artifact lands as well, and all the and they're leaning so heavily on all these Springleaf drums. One thing I've realized is that these decks aren't actually that good at beating you down, so you don't really need like a tempo advantage against them. What I what I what I wind up doing and how I fight against them or ha- or have been over the last little while is just make sure I, all I do is counter divinations. Like if you can count, if you can make sure that you counter the um the thought monitors and the thought casts, then they don't really have any cards and they don't have to do anything. Yeah. They just have Urza Saga and Urza, and then a bunch of divinations. And if you just counter the divinations, then you can handle the rest of that. Like it's you've got enough. You can even take the loss of card advantage to start fighting through Urza Sagas and stuff like that. Yeah. If you don't let them, if you don't let them chain divinations together. So I was fighting on that axis, and on that. On that note, I've been playing three copies of Mystical Dispute in my sideboard as kind of my, as my, as my, uh, my proactive counterspell, I guess. I have some Philosopher's Storms as well, but I also have, uh, two, uh, three Mystical Disputes. And that's been, you know, in, in part, I chose to play the third one as a concession to Thought Monitors, Urzes, yeah. and, uh, Thought Casts to bring in that matchup. Yeah, that card's pretty good against Omnap decks, too, as, yeah. Long as they're not playing Cavern, I guess. I'm a little surprised to see a braid. I feel like your deck just full of super efficient cards, and as funny as it sounds, a braid is. I feel like it's way too expensive for yeah. for that deck for what it does in general. I'm, I'm I I share the same opinion. I, every time I've had a braid in my deck, I've been like, why is this? Why is this here? It it, it serves an explicit purpose against Hammer Time, in the sense that it's one of the only outs you have at instant speed to a resolved hammer. Like, if they just stick hammer in play and put it on a creature, you can actually get out from underneath that with a braid, which you yeah. can't get out from underneath it with any other way at instant speed. Can't, can't, you, can't you get a... You know, you have explosives. 
Yeah, but that's not an instant speed though. So like, you have to actually have the explosives in play and yeah. then they have to play into it rather than you being able to sit there reactively and when they go for it, you can actually answer it. It's often also the point, a thing that happens against Hammer Time a lot with Blue Red is that you they attack you and you block and they play Hammer because you know that you have to block because you know they have Hammer it's going to kill you. And so you just put it and they just put Hammer on their guy and then you just can't kill it. Yeah. And you just you can never attack again because you just have to block it every turn. So having a way, you know, that a interacts you know with with a creature that's established with a hammer on it, but also can act, interact at instant speed and get it, get them, is some has some merit. But at the same time, I would never find space for it. I just have the two copies of Dress Down to to help clean up cards like um, like tokens for Rosa Saga and shut off Pure Seal Paladin and so forth, Mystic. Yeah, and then he engineered explosives. The other card that I obviously really, obviously really like. Yeah, and as far as matchup goes, have you had a chance to play against the new blue white versions with Snapcaster in March? Not yet. No, yet. I haven't. Um, yeah, it's a bit unfortunate that I can't can't share anything on that on that front. I can't imagine it's particularly good for us. Uh, it was already supposed not to be good for blue red when they played chalice and this and that and you got ending and i always felt like yeah you Mercai say that. was still all ahead maybe it's just yeah. you know maybe it's just kind of close to 50 50 in the yeah i definitely think it's close to 50 50 i i i you and i are probably are in, are in agreement that it people who said that it was really it was great for blue white when it was this chalice decks i don't think they really knew what was going on yeah or we're playing against Blu-ray players who you really yeah. know what was going on. I felt like I was really able to kind of leverage just being really efficient on matter in that matchup. Yeah. And I think it gets harder when they're playing more cards like Snapcaster Mage. You know, just having more things at instant speed that block Ragavan, that get two for ones, all this sort of stuff, rather than just just praying that they stick their their chalice to the void and it does it does everything they've ever wanted. Yeah. One of the Oh, sorry, one of the weird no. reasons I was lo loving Snapcaster Mage just gave you more answers to Ragavan, even if it's just, you know, uh, an, an Ambush Viper or just flashing yeah. back an opt and having extra ways to trade with Ragavan was super nice. Yeah, exactly. It's not even like it has to trade directly trade with Ragavan. I can just kind of like pseudo trade with it as well. You just play it. You just flash back your opt end of turn and it just sits there. And then now they can't dash Ragavan and attack you, which is like a big, a big line of the mid games. Yeah, it's, it's obviously... Yeah, Snapcaster changed the dynamic significantly to the point where I would be surprised if it was, if I felt as good about it as I used to about the kind of Chalice's Void versions. Yeah, you know? I'm not. That's sure. it. There's less. There's less. There's less solitudes in these decks. Uh, so, you know, a resolved Murktide is still an enormous threat and not one that can be answered in a particularly manner efficient way. Yeah. Did you did you mention if you played your Blood Moons in the main or not? I do not play my Blood Moons in the main. I've tried it. It's not really my thing. I think your game one's like just pretty good in general. Like you have so much interaction and you have good proactive draws, especially in a kind of, you know, closed deckless format, essentially, where like you don't know what you're playing against in, in round one or in game, in game one. So, you know, it could be pretty easy to get caught with your pants standing as a Ragavan. Probably happens more often in, on, in a Magic Online League than it would in, say, maybe late rounds of Challenge or... Yeah. Um, in in a, a big paper event or whatnot, but I don't know I've I've always had my blood moons in the sideboard and will keep them that way uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. One one kind of thing she's been trying on in the sideboard that I haven't I haven't seen very many other people playing is Vendillion Click. 
I'm I'm of the opinion that it's time for it's time for Vindelian Clip to come back. I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's just like not very many lava darts right now. But yeah, uh, I always feel like these kind of blue red decks where you they having access to not only just the information aspect of looking at their hand, but that kind of like thought pseudo thought sees effect is just so powerful in limited numbers in these blue in these non black blue decks. I've been really, I've been really looking. Looking forward to playing more with uh, Vendilli because I only played one league with it, but it was it was pretty good for me. Yeah, uh, I had it had to be pretty good against Eldrazi Tron, and you know just generally be good in theory. And I playing it over one of the so I, I used to have two Jason Mind Sculpt, and now I just have one Jason, one uh, and one Vendillion Click, largely because there's so many like good efficient counter spells in a lot of these matchups where you want Jace. You know, people have access to you know lots of there's lots of spell pierces going around. Obviously, counter spell Archmage's Charm. Uh, force negations, mystical disputes. It kind of got hard to just reliably tap out on turn four for for Jace. Yeah. And since there's less of these kind of Grixis decks that are just kind of just grind, you just cast a bunch of discard spells, and like it's just kind of whoever has the best card remaining at the at the end of the kind of the trades yeah, is a huge advantage. Where Jace is obviously really good in that spot. Where like if you can kind of like set up a Jace in the mid in the mid game after people have changed traded resources, it does it goes miles. Now it's more about kind of you know, fighting positionally or on the stack and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, with his, you see the way that the, the blue-white decks are going as well. So having a V-click in there to kind of, like, mix things up a little bit, it can set up a, Merc, a Resolve Merc Tide with protection. It can set up the Jace that you have in your deck as well. So, yeah, I, I've been impressed with it in theory and a little bit in practice when I've drawn it so far, but yeah. definitely a card that I, I can report back on more in the future. You just see so many cards with this deck. It's hard to justify playing any card that really any card that costs more. Anytime you're thinking about adding a card that costs more than one mana, I feel like you need a, a really good reason to do so. Absolutely, yeah, so you do. Yeah, we saw a card like you know Dreadstone, Ensign's Feet, Cantrips, pr pretty pretty impactful in some saw in some spots. Torpor Orb, the one copy, which is obviously pretty nuts against. Um, you know, the, the elemental decks. And then I guess these two Archmage Charm kind of maybe catch-all versatile card that you can bring in when you don't want your Lightning Bolts or, or whatnot. It's interesting that, yeah, O'Daniel Athos has his, uh, he has his two his two charms in the board and his Blood Runes in the main and I have them around the other way. Yeah. It's kind of a, fun, a funny kind of parallel that I hadn't, I hadn't realized before. He also has a yeah. Web Fury in the sideboard. Yeah. I've been really impressed with Fury. It's, it's good times. Yeah, anyway, like Blue Red, kind of enjoying playing it again. I've played five leagues in the last two days because, you know, uh, spoiler alert, I caught COVID while I was away in Chicago. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm housebound for a little while. And um, so I've had a bit of spare time and I've been playing all my two yeah, leagues. Yeah, your record, I don't know if you mentioned it, your records were really good, right? Yeah, I have two trophies, two four, two four ones and a lowly 3 2. Yeah, that's, but I've been playing against all sorts of. all sorts of weird decks, though. Uh, kind of played, I played against like three copies of Eldrazi Tron. Um, they played against, yeah, like four different Urza decks in 25 matches. So people are doing all sorts of th things, and the leagues look like they're really fun. I played against a bunch of these Hidexugu Consumes All decks uh, that I think Aspiring Spike was playing a bunch of okay, yeah. on his stream. Uh, so I played like these like red-black mid-range decks, basically, but they have Hidexugu Consumes All. And the first time they cast it against me, I was like, oh, man, I killed two of my creatures, and that's going to exile like that. Uh, back to square one, okay. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, I've been doing well and been enjoying. I kind of lost a little bit of interest in playing modern and magic in general 
over the last couple of months, you know, life had been busy and then like, the format had felt pretty stale. Like I would just be like, well, the only thing I should can do, really do is queue up with Grix of Shadow because it's like just better than the deck I actually like playing and it's the best thing to be doing. And then I just play a million mirrors and just, you know, although it's fun for the first kind of like month, I just, I kind of I've lost a bit of interest. And now that the bans happen, I kind of fired it back up again and I'm, I'm ready to go. People aren't ready for this for 8 8 flyers. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to be back. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about was the um, blue white against Murktide matchup and mostly just, I guess, watching Waffle play. For those of you who don't know, Waffle Tapa streams now, twitch.tv slash Waffle Tapa. He was streaming when he did uh, well in these challenges. And two, two things that stood out were some of his mulligan decisions. He he had the discipline to mulligan a hand that looked kind of okay, you know, kind of lands and spells. But really, when you think about how the, the, the hand's going to play out, I think he didn't have any one or two mana spells. And... He had Teferi on free and a curve after that and, and lands and whatnot, but, you know, they decided to, to mulligan um, these kind of hands a few times. And also his patience playing against Blue-Red Murktide in spots where he had the end-of-turn fret plus, you know, untapping and having another fret, but just respecting the possibility that uh, Daniel Lacos had, you know, possibly two counter spells, and then if he went for it, he would... Uh, you know, maybe get blown out. So uh, I was, uh, you know, he could afford to do it. I think he was kind of drawing his lands, or but it was it was still like interesting to see uh, to see the, the the patience in some of the spots. Yeah, where... I'm not really sure. I'm not sure what this. You know, without knowing the exact game state in that last situation you talked about, I'm not really sure what to think about that. Yeah, you know, on some level, I I think that you know, the desire to be like, okay, right. You know, end of turn, end of turn threat on counter, get a counter, untap threat. It's just it's like an obvious and natural sequence. But I don't think that what Blue White necessarily does is so incredibly powerful that it can't be overcome by just like simple spells from the from the blue red side as well. So like you, you know, there's always this like fear of unholy heat or whatnot. Yeah. So it's, it could be the sort of thing where, like, even if you fight and you, like, stick that to Fairy Time Raveler and it bounces their Merc type, like, they can just untap, kill it, and, like, replay a threat. And, you know, you're in, you're in roughly the same spot. And they're just so much more mana efficient that I I, I, I kind of see his rationale of, like, well, I even if this works out, it's not it's not as good as the downside would be bad, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and that's just the kind of interesting to see, you know, that level of patience from him, I guess. I'm definitely going to go back and watch that that semi-final matchup. So I think, yeah, this is him playing as O'Daniel Arcos in the semi-finals of the Sunday, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's definitely going to go back and, and have a proper watch of that. Cause I didn't, I didn't see that match live. So yeah. Oh, yeah, go check that out. I feel like it made sense at the time, the way he was playing, but it's possible, you know, you, 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 you're a bit too patient and you get punished when they start drawing these iterations, chaining iterations. And that yeah. doesn't even matter if she's, you know, tags their mana and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely it's definitely a re- reasonable kind of fine line between you know a delicate balance for getting it right yeah and looking and looking like you you know you're just being too passive but... on the mulligan side of things though like wh- this is one thing I really learned uh when we had actually I think canister when we had canister on the cast he's, he mentioned this which is that there's just no there's no hand that's like so good that you can't 
that you should really risk being like dead to Ragavan, basically. Yeah. So like, you know, being kind of keeping these hands that look like they've got it all together. Like, you know, it's got the lands, it's got the Teferi, it's got the top end sorted out. All you need is the early turns covered with your draw steps. But the, the, it, the game gets out of hand so fast if you don't have the, if you don't have the answer to the Ragavan or for the early Dragon Race channeler. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's almost worth taking the mulligan just for these, just for these uh, scenarios occurring. And it's, it's something that's been guiding my kind of game one philosophy a lot in, um, on Magic Online as well, which is like, do I really, am I really keeping a hand that like just has like my first interaction is counter spell? Like, I don't think that's good enough. Yeah. I've like, instruct- I, think, I need, I need the heat or the bolt or I need my own Ragavan to justify it. You can't just be spinning the wheels and just do die to Ragavan. I can't just be like Spellpierce, Spellpierce, Expressive Iteration, Merktide Region. Like, that's not a hand you can keep. And I think there's probably analogous hands for Blue White or even more perhaps. Yeah, I've been struggling with these decisions and I've been keeping some of these hands that are kind of dead to a turn one Ragavan on the draw and being punished for it. It makes it even tougher when they're playing Grixis and you know that if you mulligan, then they might hit you with the discard spells and I I might start just mulliganing any hand on the draw that doesn't have an answer mm. to Ragavan in these matchups because it is... It's definitely... It's definitely hard to snap that mindset, especially against like the discard decks, you know, where you're like, you know, any seven is better than like the perfect six because, you know, just having the raw number of cards matters so much. But I, I think that just a number of this, I, this is actually, this is the exact context that Canister was talking about at the end. It's like, it doesn't really matter how many cards you have or, you know, whether or not you're like a card up in the kind of discard spell trade. Because if I just run away with the game with Ragged like who cares? Like, you just got buried. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 actually where exactly where Canister brought it up, and so yeah, I think I think getting back to a kind of mindset where it's unacceptable to keep hands that don't either present the turn one threat or have answers to the turn one threat um, is probably a good default position to be in game ones, uh, or or in you know post board games against specific decks. I'm actually going to lie at the moment. Yeah. All right, we can take a quick look at number seven was Blue-Eyed Urzak, kind of Thopter Foundry combo, some of the value stuff, nothing too, too crazy. Yeah, yeah right. You so might... I, I kind of, I, 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 I had my eyes glanced over Esper Sentinel and Genius Smith Stone Force Music reality chip, and I was like, oh, that's Hammer Time. But it's not. It's Yeah, it's Thopter Foundry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing. Is this a deck you tried? I know we talked about this a, f- a couple of weeks ago when it did well, or maybe a month or so ago when it did well. And did you ever get it, end up getting around to trying this? No, I haven't. I haven't been playing a ton of Modern, and I have not played more Urza ever since they printed um, the new the new, um, the new new Springleaf Drum, even though that version doesn't even really play uh, these cards. Not even the... I'm pretty, pretty surprised to not even see the one copy of Springleaf Drum that was one of my favorite targets was Urza Saga. Yeah, I mean, Springleaf Drum has just proven itself over and over again to be great. Yeah. But yeah, it's the sort of thing where like, even in these low creature count decks, it can definitely do a lot of work. You know, turning your, turning your Esper Sentinel into more than just, you know, more than just a 1-1. Turning it into a mana creature. Yeah. Then in 8, you've got Mono White Hammer Time. No, uh, no Kadra complete. A little surprised by that one. Um, Paradise Mantle, which I think I've seen people not love, but yeah, 
I feel like I saw a lot of tweets being like, "Hey, I was you know trophied again with trophied again with Hammer Time. By the way, this Paradise Medal is not very good." Yeah, I feel like we probably saw the same tweets. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Two goes the Paradise Medal. This one in particular. Yeah. I I do I do like what banning Lurus has done to these decks. So like, it's actually made it look more like a normal St- Stoneforge Mystic deck in a lot of respects. Like, you know, access to the Nettlesis, the Sword of Fire and Ice. Just a few more slightly powerful cards to, to go tutor for. And obviously the sort of War and Peace in the, in the sideboard as well. Yeah, some interesting so choices. Defense grids here. Three defense grid. Wow. Yeah, protecting your combo, I guess. Making sure they, yeah. uh, they, they don't break your combo. Also just protecting the turn you play a pure seal Paladin. It's an extra artifact that also turns on Paladin. Kind of cool card. Yeah, yeah it's definitely not, not not something I really, really thought of on my own. That's That's really cool. I wonder which matchup you want Manatize in. You're like, this is a matchup where I need to Manatize. I don't know. Hey. Manatize is one of those cards where I thought I was probably just put in my main deck and it would be awful. And I would always board it out rather than be like, this is the perfect spot. I will board yeah. it in. And then it then draw it and be like, this is awful. Yeah. <laughs> I drew it at the wrong time. Yeah. I don't know. I never really have, a, I didn't have a huge amount of experience playing Force Spike when it was like legal and, uh, you know, formats like Extended or whatever. I was too young. To, to to be playing for spike at that point so i've never really experienced the kind of like highs and lows i just like know about it in cube because like i i played a cube a fair bit yeah i played a lot in in mono blue bueller blue and i guess it was more of a necessary evil but yeah. I, I mean it's, i used to love the curves, cards right? it's just about it's just about having something to do on curve right rather than yeah it being explicitly great yeah Actually, yeah. Spot. I actually had four copies in my Tinker Charvulture deck, Mana Severance, when I came in second in, in oh. Ireland's Proto Extended, and it was just there as a curve play. It was basically yeah. my quote-unquote removal spell or discard yeah. spell. You know, it was my interaction. Well, having, having something to do with turn one is pretty important in that format. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what you counter, you know, just don't want to fall behind and... Yeah, Plus, we're relying sweet. on our audience having explicit knowledge sweet. of the, the ins and outs of that extended format. It was it was at the time where you didn't have open decklist, even though I believe that's the that's the PT where they messed up and someone gets got spoiled. So that on day two they just posted every list. They like printed every list, and I actually think that's I think you think that's what happened because obviously I was just watching coverage at that point in time and. I do remember there being a deck dump on day two and it being a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read that. So that was that. You know, let's side sidetrack for nostalgia for a second, but that PT is exactly when I picked up Magic again, kind of at the end of high school, and was like interested in playing tournaments, but hadn't actually gone and played one ever. And so I'd like read a bit of coverage, and this PT came out, and I was like, "Holy crap! What's going on in this format?" Like. Like I was, I didn't, I hadn't comprehended anything so powerful. Like I, cause I'd been around visiting like local game store when Tinker was like legal and standard. And so like, I knew what the cards did. So like, I knew about like Grim Monoliths and Ancient Tombs and City of Traders and all that sort of stuff and Tinker and Processor and all that sort of stuff. But I just, this was just the next level. <laughs> the Japanese Minds Desire deck as well. Anyway, that's, that, that, that's all that's got a, a very fun, uh, fun memories for me and that kind of like, early discovery of magic of tournament yeah. magic at least it was obviously definitely... very important for you too yeah it might have been the the pro tour where the decks were just the most degenerates honestly 
I think it's got to be. I can't think of another one that's like that obscene where everything was just completely obscene. Maybe maybe the the Necro one, the extended one that Bob Maher won. Yeah, so that that that's again that's before my time. But I just have every single deck looks so sick. Like they were all just kind of like I remember it was all text coverage at that point. Yeah, time. it was like oh, Goblin, God. like the the Goblin deck chain was, Goblin was chain um chain food. It was the Druid Hermits, I think, like yeah. the people yeah. trying to yeah. combo. Hermit Druid combo, Food yeah. Chain Goblins, yeah. like all the various different Tinker decks, the Japanese Minus Desire deck, yeah. like the Twiddle Minus Desire, all just, all so sick, like just massively formative things in my mind. There was like, even like the kind of like blue-red, like reanimated deck, not reanimated, but like Trash for Treasures deck. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very, very cool. Like very, very, very degenerate. I don't know. Formats like that are so 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 cool for like one one tournament though. Yeah. Like I've I'm just trying to think of like how, if there's been any time in my like playing career where I've been in on that ground level of like absolutely busted stuff on the day that it's legal. Yeah, so like I played the, I obviously played like Blue White Eldrazi Winter in kind of like one of the early tournaments for Blue White Eldrazi. But that wasn't quite the same. That was kind of like, at least the PT had already happened and like I'd seen some Magic Online results with Blue White. But like just being part of this pure degeneracy is just something that I obviously never really got to experience in any, in any real, real quantity. Should we take a anyway, quick look at Sunday's Find D2 is just there. So mm-hmm. Sunday's decklist, yeah. So obviously Water in first place. Yeah. Yeah, uh, playing... Essentially, the exact same seventy-five minus the uh, veil of summons as we discussed earlier. Yeah, and then we have uh, Keyline just shuffling a bunch of cards around. This time, it's not not the same player, but they have Blood Moon in the main with one chase in the main, and yeah. So this is another crashing footfalls deck. Yeah, a few one ofs. They still have the Force of Vigor, Dispute, Endurance in the sideboard, yeah. and uh, they've got the uh, they've got the three Blood Moon in the main. Yeah, They've got main deck Blood Moons in their in their deck, and then yeah, Odaniel Arcos in third place with the exact same seventy five. I think, yep. yep, looks like the exact same seventy five. So well done to them. A uh, bit of Yogmoth in in fourth place. Do you reckon Yogmoth's a deck that uh, benefited or lost from the lost out from the Luris ban? Mm, not too sure. I know it's not super great against Omnath. It's pretty good against Living End. Those are my two main main modern decks. Um, yeah, okay. Probably somewhat neutral. For Gilded I Goose, it... I was looking for synergies with Gilded Goose besides just another mana producer. Yes, it's maybe a nod to Ren and Six. But then they still have Hierarchy. Ren and Six, actually. That's actually a really interesting point. Yeah, maybe that's what you what they're trying to do but, here. But just... they still have a lot of they still have the four hierarchs anyway, so that card's kind of too good to too good to pass up on, I think. Maybe it's just a black mana, but then you could just play Birds of Paradise. Maybe maybe yeah. the burn matchup is somewhat tough. Not really talked. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's on the on on the surface level, I think this deck would have been pretty good against uh Black Red Death against Grixis Death Shadow. So I think that on the on the whole it probably lost out a bit in the uh in the in the bands. You know, it's 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 bad matchups. You know, probably got better. So like decks like uh, Tron or whatnot, and then matchups that it, it preyed upon uh, got worse or disappeared from the meta game. Yeah. Fifth place is your your friend though. Yeah. Two colossal sky turtle living end. 
yeah, I actually played a couple of leagues of Living End. It felt kind of the same as Freebian Lurus, just still powerful, but still having to fight for a ton of hate. And sometimes it's just too much. I did try the two Sky Turtle in the main deck. I was not blown away in the games I played. It was fine. It was okay sometimes, not not so great other times, which was just, you know, a one mana cycling card, for example, a lot of the time. I'm really surprised to see two Ottawara in a lot of lists. I feel like 19 lands cycling so much, you're bound to get punished and four mana to get rid, even if you're getting rid of a Teferi or not, four mana some, sometimes gonna be way too late. Way too little, way too late. I'd say you can you can still do it instant speed against the fairy, and it's uncounterable. Yeah. yeah, no, that's no, that's a point, but I feel like it might not be that great. Um, for leyline of sanctity in the sideboard has kind of become stock. It seems they're good against discard spells, spell bombs, endurance decks. I had a couple that were good for me. Maybe I should just bite the bullet and and play four next time I play the deck, but. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have anything too, too special to say about living in right now. I think it's a fine deck, but I feel like you can maybe do a little better. Yeah, it's it's certainly the deck that didn't kind of like gain or lose anything in the bands. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's 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 hard to tell what its good matchups and its bad matchups really are because it's just powerful and doing its thing and, you know, it has some weaknesses. I, I do think that Ottawa is... You would definitely play one Ottawa though, right? Yeah, I was playing that one, yeah. Yeah, your your objection is to the second basic island slash legendary land, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good though. Like, and those those sort of permanents like Chalice and uh, and Teferi are the sort of things where you just have no recourse against them otherwise with your deck. It's just all cycling cards. So, I can see that I can see the value of just trying to like just be like I definitely want to have access to this card. Maybe you want to have one in the second one in the sideboard, but at the same time, it makes sense to have it in the mana base. That, but I I do I do understand your objection. It is, it's, it's never been how I built my decks thinking about what, you know, having outs when I fall too far behind in some spots. I've, yep. I've, ne- I've yep. never been a fan of, you know, hurting, hurting the, how to say, the functionality of the deck, I guess, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, you know, Lower, lowering your average case result to improve your worst, yeah. improve your worst case scenarios. Yeah. I, I un- I understand the mentality. I do wonder though, is the difference? But yeah, if you have one copy of Ottawa in your deck and you're cycling to try and find it, that means you find it in situations where it's slightly too late. But maybe if you just have two in there, you naturally draw it a little bit more, or naturally have it a little bit more at the right time when it's not too late, and you can just get them. Like, can you imagine if your opponent just kind of like resolves it to fairy, and then you just edit her Ottawa or untap and kill them? <laughs> Like that's yeah. that's pretty good. Not instead instead of having to be like cycle 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 waker of ways waker of ways cycle cycle cycle. Yeah. Oh, finally, finally, I found it. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I, I can see I can see arguments both ways. It's a pretty powerful card, and it's and this is a deck that really w- is hurting for interaction. Like it just doesn't have any ways of interacting, basically, outside of very limited cases like grief and like colossal sky turtle. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe it's worth the risk. I don't know. You're giving up a lot, though. You're not playing the one Sunken Runes, which can be good, or just another basic, another fetch land. You know, it's not always trivial to get blue, green, and red, or to get yeah. double green for endurance after sideboard. One I was going to say, the... sorry, yeah, yeah, you can finish it. Finish one it thing I will say, though, is that I, I do love having the, the basic forest. I tried a league with just 
one Bastiju over the basic force and just a basic Kaland. And there's just too many Blood Moons around. You you really you really want that basic force. It's really very good. Bastiju was okay for me. I don't see a single copy in this list. I think having one one somewhere in the seventy five is is pretty decent. You I agree with you. I agree with you. It co it covers kind of like two thirds of the cases on Wire covers. It yeah. seems. It's it's decent against you know just getting rid of a Soul God Lantern and whatnot after sideboard is is a big deal and uh, I like the utility but I would definitely you know do what Helvetti did and have the one of each basics no matter what. Yeah, uh, one thing I was going to say is that you you point about um, not being able to find you can write colored matter is uh, something that comes up more often than not when I play not more often than not but like surprisingly often when I play against. Uh, living in these kind of hands that they keep these keep these one land hands that are full of cycles being like okay cool i will draw two lands and cast to cast the cascade spells and it's like oh no i just drew back to back 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 to back blue red lands and now i can't cast anything oh. yeah so that's yeah ha having the extra kind of mono blue source essentially there's like three lands that only tap a blue in this deck which is it'll be a little bit awkward i guess yeah Speaking of graveyard decks, though, uh, Dredge in sixth place. Do you have any thoughts on you know the return of Dredge and you know choices like Dredge versus Living End or whatnot? I played the, I played the one match was on there. I felt pretty helpless. I only had one endurance, one relic in my sideboard, and I was definitely not prepared. I could see that deck being good if there's a lot of blue white. I feel like Waffle's list is probably pretty weak to Dredge. I, I don't see why it would be a favorite there. It was just the two relics in the sideboard. You don't have force of negation for a turn to, uh, you know, frailing discovery or cathartic reunion eater, uh, not interacting greatly on death fronts. You don't really have a way to go over the top. So it could, could be a decent metagame choice if people are uh, trimming a bit on their graveyard hate. Yeah, it's just definitely a deck that's kind of risen up in popularity again recently i don't i don't quite know why it was on the downswing when grixis death shadow was the top deck it didn't feel like there was a massive amount of graveyard hate there was a sort of graveyard hate that really ko's dredge like people were like playing more relics and lanterns and uh nile spell bombs but those aren't the sort of graveyard hate that really really mess with dredge's day i think it ebbs and flows you know i think what are the what are people are gonna have you know two spell bombs or four spell bombs or what you know it's some 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 weekends people have a few some people have more and that makes just a huge difference yeah okay so it's just it's just another another low low graveyard hate week and it was it was dredge's time yeah, yeah. i don't know this is the sort of deck where it used to be it was so good in modern for like a little while i feel like it was kind of even post post faithless looting band i felt like it was really one of the top dogs for a little bit and then it's just been it just kind of vanished after Modern Horizons 2 came out, despite the format being more about things that Dredge would naturally prey on, kind of these mid-range interactive decks, which, you know, Dredge has historically kind of eaten up. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, just, I, I can't maybe just too weak. Like, maybe it's just it's just not good enough anymore. Like, in the sense, like, not as, other decks have gotten so much more powerful that it just doesn't quite, doesn't quite keep pace. Like, you decks do things as powerful roughly roughly as quickly as dredge does yeah i don't know i feel like if you look at the deck like blue red merc tide doesn't feel like you would have much you could do against that deck right 
I suppose so. Yeah, like I played against Richie a couple of times with Murtai, and you know, just having an eight eight flyer, <laughs> pretty good. Was it though against Narcomiba and just them racing? Was it enough? Was yeah, I, I think I think the what was happening was that I was just had you know, access to counter spells, so I was able to be disruptive. So you can kind of keep the first, the first uh, draw three draw three discard to off off balance, and then if they're just slow dredging or you know, a, a turn or two slow to to get to get firing, then you can you can do a serious amount of damage, and like they don't provide an early blocker for Ragavan necessarily, and so you can get a bit of mana advantage that way, and that kind of makes up for the. You know, the, the the speed advantage that they naturally have. Yeah. So yeah, it was the sort of thing where like you know, and your spot removal doesn't do anything else really. It's not like you really need to kill prize amalgam, so you can just kill Narcomibas that are fl- that are blocking in the air. Oh. I'm not yeah. super sold, but I have a feeling maybe you just ran all with it in that matchup. Dude, I, I I always run I always run like Zeus. <laughs> do I do I need one just tap the top of the deck? Yeah. Yeah. Charface tap the top of the deck. Yeah. We, yeah. we we have another Titan deck, so two two total in the these two top eights. Pretty similar, just mono green. Also the two Colossus, one Azusa, one Elvish Rejuvenator split. Um, but yeah, nothing too too out of the ordinary here. And then in eighth place, a deck I actually played against in a league. I wonder if it was the same player. It's uh, oh wow, just uh, just scape, just scape shift. I don't think the player I played against had. Hitetsugu, I feel like maybe they had Omnath, but it's kind of a tough matchup for the Omnath deck because they're... Never mind. I was thinking that was a Brink to Light version because I played... I saw the card Wish, basically, which is not super common, and I know the opener I played against Lee also had Wish, but they were playing Brink to Light Valky. This is just Junt? Yeah, this is like Junt Valkyrie, like Primeval Titan route. Yeah. This is a bit of a blast from the past. Yeah, they have some sweet cards too. The new Green Dragon, 5-5 Flying Death Touch for 5. When it dies, choose one, search your library for up to three lands. Um, by the way, do you have to go? You told me you had your lesson at... It's all right, Norris. Okay. I've, got, I've got a little bit of time. But right. I should wrap up relatively soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to make too much about this list. They have the, the combos, they have the controllers, Hated Sugu consumes all. Maybe yeah. Hated Sugu is where it's at in modern right now. I mean, it's a really, really powerful magic card. Did, and it you, was kind of, did you lose that game well, where you got where you had hated Sugu and they got two of your creatures? No, no, you still won. <laughs> well, of course I, not. I was actually okay. This is off topic, but did you read uh, the the article that PV wrote? No, and posted the other day. It was about shame on me. About uh, shame on you. That's right. He, so he, so PV's been writing kind of freelance on his own like page, basically recently and he posted something that was about kind of a response to an article that jerry thompson wrote a while ago which is about like you know there's no such thing as luck like you know you should so jerry writes it there's no such thing as luck you should you know ignore luck in all your analysis and just be like you know this is you know look for the things that you can do differently to to change your outcomes and and pb's like well you know i fundamentally disagree i think you should always look for luck and identify where it is and so that you can correctly analyze whether or not you actually need to change anything about your process or whether or not you simply got lucky or unlucky. That's and I was, I think, I think it's worth you having a read. It was only a thousand words or whatever. It was really, really well written as always. And, you know, obviously listeners should go look for it as well. So it's like, yeah, if you just go on PV's Twitter, he, he should have a link to his sub stack or whatever, which is where it was. That might be my biggest leak. I just don't read all of PV's articles. 
He's really, really good. I know. I mean, a lot of people consider him just the best writer in the history of the game. Yeah, he's just very, very eloquent. And I, that goes a long way. A lot of people are very good at... A lot of people know a lot of things and aren't very good at communicating them. And he knows a lot of things and is very good at communicating it. Yeah. And so it's... I don't read every single thing he writes, but this one's what I just piqued my interest. And I, I, th- I thought that your comment about me uh, beating Dredge and thinking the matchup was all right was exactly what that... <laughs> That article was trying to highlight, like, yeah, I'm like, okay, it's not so, it's not such a bad matchup because look at all the things that go right and it, it works out perfectly. But the aggregate, and that's me, you know, getting lucky and not factoring that, though, not 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 scaling down those uh th- those results appropriately. So I have to like think about the process a little bit more. Yeah, you know, I just thought it was worth uh, worth asking if you'd read that read that article yet or not. Maybe maybe for a future a future time, maybe even offline discussion. Yeah. Yeah. But also hit it so you consume so I can say with hundred percent confidence that every time they resolve it, I win the game. Yeah. yeah. I think that card was sick for you at the um, at the PT though. Or the set championship. Uh I think for a lot of my teammates it was, yeah. Uh, we but were not playing, for you. playing Phoenix. Yeah. I didn't I played against John Food actually. I didn't play against Black Green Food, but right, yeah, yeah, it's less, less, less great there. Yeah, that, that card did make the matchup tri- trivially easy, and we weren't honestly, we weren't even sure that the matchup was because the consensus was that Phoenix was bad against Black Green Food, but we were even doing okay against Food without the Black Splash, but the Black Splash was so good that we we figured maybe it was still worth yeah. it. You know? I, I I do I do think that. There, someone made a post in your in your testing forums. It was like maybe you maybe actually like maybe it was even you. There was like we might just be really bad black red food players though. Yeah, true, true. We had to to factor in for that. Yeah. Anyway, really yeah, good yeah. Phoenix players and really bad black red food. <laughs> exactly. Players. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, heavily skewing your data. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I didn't get a chance to say it, say it on the weekend, but you know, sick finish for Eli and team result overall, like. Having essentially two of the best decks in the format in both for the best decks in both formats is pretty great. Yeah, I know we did we 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 crushed it and it was great to you know see Ely do well. And for those of you who missed it, he was invited on the podcast last week. So definitely definitely check that out if you haven't. Yeah, in fact, if you listen to the very end of this episode and then let the tape roll, it'll probably switch over to yeah Ely's episode because it was the last episode that. Probably should bring us to the end of this episode, though. Yeah. Um, do you want to put it on the, all on the line? Sure, let's put our life on the line. I feel like I know what answer I'm going to give already. But for those of you who don't, uh, who, who who aren't regular listeners, life on the line is a segment of this cast where we where we hypothesize about a theoretical tournament where the the prize the prizes at stake are: if you win, you live, and if you lose, you die. So you better get your deck choice right. Play, give yourself the best chance, possible chance to win. I think. Not that that really. Happens every week. Anyway, um, yeah, so we usually talk about formats only we've discussed in the cast, so we'll talk about modern today. So if I was playing this tournament tomorrow, I would be playing Blue-Red Merktide, as I'm sure is a huge surprise to any listener yeah. of the podcast. Uh, I think I'd outline the reasons why I like it at the moment, and some of that is to do with moderns kind of a little bit in this being in a little bit in a state of flux and it being inherently powerful, but I also think this the level playing field essentially of no Lurus and... Less companions overall means that you're no longer playing at a natural disadvantage to play the no companion deck. Yeah, and I think I'm going to stick with four color on now, even though oh. my results have not been super great. <laughs> Jesus, mate. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like that deck's 
really good and it's you know just you lose matches just you're gonna lose some matches like everyone else and then one of the matches i lose is they're on me um all right so you, you i just one, wouldn't know one really three drop, one three drop the game of life i just re- i just really don't wouldn't know what else to pick you know i feel like other decks are fine but you know i think i'd probably a favorite against blue white probably a favorite against honestly most decks but you don't have like amazing matchups against anyone either yeah i, I just I, love the deck it's like fun to play interactive games lots of 50 50 matchups just yeah no i totally understand that if you're gonna go if you're gonna die you better as well do it on your terms all right <laughs> well I, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode yeah if you made it this far really appreciate you thank you so much for listening um pat where can yeah. we find you online Oh, yeah, good. Okay, I'm at uh, Twitch and Twitter at get underscore smart. That's where you can find me. Yeah. What about you, Gab? And I'm on twitch.tv slash yellowhat. I stream most days. Also, you can find me, uh, you know, on YouTube, on Twitter at Gab Nassif. So, yeah. Is this a po- an appropriate point where we say that next week we're doing a relatively special episode where you're going to be live in Germany? Is that right? Is that next week? Yeah, I think it's I don't next know. week. Yeah. Harry seems to think it was next week. All right. Yeah, so you you and Harry are going to be in Germany next week. Yeah. I'm going to be going to be recording live with Harry. We'll probably get maybe a guest, a German guest. A German guest. Expect I invest in Deutsch. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're free to join us if you can make it. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. On your own podcast. Yeah. No problem. (laughs) No worries, mate. All right. Well, that's it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, hope you all have a great week. Take care. Yeah. Peace.